had three boys over, and it's really cool. Kai's got this game. It's a Xbox 360, and he's got this NBA game on it where the NBA players, you know, it looks really real. And uh, one of the things, it's a slam dunk contest. And in the slam dunk contest on Xbox um, 360, and one of the dunks, they jump over a car and do a dunk. And I was watching Kai yesterday trying to do it, and he kept not getting over the car, not getting over the car. And then eventually, he was using LeBron James, and LeBron got over the car, and he slammed a dunk. And I was so excited for my boy. And then last night, I got all three. There's, there's a, there, the boys are spending the night, Kenzie and Timmy and Kai, three 9- to 10-year-olds, and they're watching the real slam dunk contest. Did you guys see it? Well, Blake Griffin, who plays for the Los Angeles Clippers, was in the contest. And the final dunk, they bring in this car and they put it right in front of the basket. And Baron Davis, you know, they open the sunroof and Baron Davis is inside the car with the basketball. And he throws the ball out of the sunroof and Blake Griffin jumps up and grabs it and slam dunks it. It was really cool. If you didn't get to see it, YouTube it today. But it was just like Xbox 360. And I was thinking, well, like in a game, you can jump over a car, but not in real life. Blake Griffin jumped over a car and sl- you got to see it if you didn't see it. But anyway, that has nothing to do with my lesson. But it was so cool. I just wanted to warm you guys up a little bit. I, I really appreciate, you know, our church. And last week it was so great to see the campus students just serve the church. Didn't they do a great job? So fun to see the greeters in the back doing the tunnel thing and the ushers, the sound people here. Everyone came early. Um, Aria and Zyra welcomed everybody, and it was great a great connection time. Justine shared her testimony and the spoken word. Wasn't that, oh, my goodness, heart, heart melting. I was, I was crying. Uh, and then all the, the brothers and sisters praying through the Lord's Supper, just their hearts praying to God. Helped me really give my heart in the Lord's Supper. And then the three brothers who preached, Jose, Arturo, and Kenny. Well, they did such a great job. Um, didn't they do a great job? Can um, Kenny and Arturo and Jose stand up? Can you guys give them a thank you for preaching the word to us yesterday? Last week. You know, what's so cool is, is we heard their convictions. And as they shared about their lives, we realized they're living out their convictions. These brothers love Jesus. And I was so excited that I realized that one day I won't be preaching anymore and we've got great guys going to be preaching the word. One day I'll just be, you know, eldering and hanging out, doing whatever elders do, shepherding the flock. And uh, we're, we, we, our church is in great shape if we got guys like this preaching the word. And then Gabriel just sharing about how he prayed for a month and God gave him that job and he didn't have to join the service. And then Alex and Denise just closing us out with just really the, the warmth and, and just capping off the service. I thought they all did a great job. And, I, you know, I'm really proud of the campus ministry. And I feel like I felt after the service that God blessed it beyond the preparation. And I felt like that we were ministered to by God. And it's really cool when, it, when all the existing worship team members and ushers and, and greeters work together with the campus students. And I really I was, I was asking God. Why was it so blessed? I mean, some people came up and told me it was the best church service they'd ever been to. And I was thinking, why was it so blessed? And I, all I could figure was a bunch of people pooled together to serve God and serve one another. And God just blessed it beyond our expectations. And uh, I, it's a great lesson for me. And I just want to share the lesson I learned from last week, um, just the way God really blessed our service. But I really want to thank them. You know, the one thing, though, that I was a little disappointed about by the service was Kenny accusing me of having the look. Can you go to the next slide? 
I don't think my PowerPoint's going to work. It's frozen. Well. Anyway, uh, when, when I asked Kenny to preach, um, evidently he said no, and I gave him the look. I don't really remember, you know. He remembers. Um, but we were at Bible Talk on Tuesday night in the Dorn Bible Talk, the one Kenny leads. So it's not just me, but it's everyone that represents UCLA that needs to give Kenny the look. So anyway... We're at Bible Talk, and um, you know, at Bible Talk, you want to silence your phones? Well, one of the phones goes off, and uh, it's the sound of Pikachu. It, how does Pikachu sound? Can anybody do the sound for me? Do it. Say it, do it again. Pika, there he goes, all right. So this sound goes off, it's going, Pika, Pika, Pika. And, and I figured it's Patty, or Justine, or Nerica, or one of the girls, and I'm looking around, and Kenny sheepishly pulls his phone out. <laughs> And it's Pikachu. And literally, I thought I'll never give Kenny the look again, but there I was. And so that is enough, Kenny. Enough. You got to change your ringtone. But today I'm not talking about enough. Today I'm talking about more than enough. So if we can go to the next slide. More than enough. Can you taste that warm cinnamon rolls? Have you ever eaten cinnamon rolls where you, you know, you ate the big fat ones and you just ate too much and you were full and you're like, oh, that's not probably that good for me. But, oh, that tastes really good. And you just have more than enough. And it's like the bread. And today we're talking about Jesus being more than enough. He's a bread of life. But the bread and it's warm and the cinnamon, the spice, the flavor and the sugar and just, oh, the decadence of it. It's just not Every day, but every once in a while, you got to just have a cinnamon roll, right? And you can just smell it, can't you? And I think about that in our Christian lives that there's enough and there's more than enough. Sometimes you're just full. And in the world, we, we go after things to fill us up and we get disappointed. And Satan manipulates us and deceives us and gets us to go after things that don't fill us up. And yet Jesus says, you know, I can fill you up. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, my goal is, is that you understand John chapter 6 and you understand when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that, that you can understand it and, and that you are willing to be changed and to be consumed and consume Jesus to fill you up to be more than enough. You know, my goal is, is that if you came in today discouraged, you'll leave encouraged. If you came in tired, you'll leave energized. If you came in with doubts about Jesus, about God, about the Bible, about Christianity, about our church, about the other Christians, that you will leave believing. That if you came in in sin, unrepentant sin, that you will leave with a repentant heart. That if you came in with questions, you'll leave with answers. But most of all, if you came in hungry, that you will leave full. That you will leave with more than enough. Not because of the words that I say but because of who Jesus is. You know, this morning, uh, Amy made breakfast for the boys for the birthday party, and she made bacon. And I, I don't eat much bacon, i got to be honest. It isn't that good for you. But every once in a while, when the smell of bacon fills up the house, doesn't it smell good? 
And you just, you know, and, and I went in there and I looked for the most burnt, crispiest pieces. And so I had a couple pieces of bacon this morning. Oh, it was good. I don't advocate eating it too often, but every once in a while it's really good. And you can definitely have too much bacon. It can be more than enough. Another thing that whenever I eat it, I always eat too much. I'm always over full is watermelon. Watermelon. I love on a hot summer day. Watermelon is so good. After you play volleyball or after you're playing football or wherever at the beach, just can you get a watermelon? We're still on bacon. Yeah, it's hard when you got the pictures to go on. <laughs> Tell me when we got watermelon. <laughs> uh, there's my daughter again. I still miss her. There's Roy. Jordan, Sam, handsome kids. We should pray for our uh, technical support here. I appreciate the technical support. Are we going to not have it, guys? I can just go without it. Great. There's watermelon. Anyway, I love watermelon. I'm going through some foods that I love and I love to get filled on. The next one is ribeye steak. Do we have ribeye? On the grill? Oh, my goodness. Isn't that good? And you know what else I love? And Jesus loved this, too, was grilled fish. He grilled fish in the morning. We had grilled fish. I oh, know we're frozen again. Wow. My computer never does that at home. We'll give it one more crack. Open your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going old-fashioned here. Are we at grilled fish? Hot apple pie? We got hot apple pie? Yeah? What about coffee? We got coffee? And what about late at night just melting some warm chocolate in your mouth? We got chocolate? Chocolate, all right. All of those things fill us up. I want to teach John chapter 6. Go to John chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. All right, we got it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for whoever prayed for our technical difficulties. Thank you, God. In John chapter 6, Jesus does a a couple amazing things. The first thing he does, he feeds 5,000 people. And in verse 12, after they've been fed... It says, when they had had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And Jesus fed 5,000. He had a, a couple loaves of barley and some fish. And he spread them out and he found 12 baskets. And the 12 apostles passed them out to the 5,000 men plus the women and children. Maybe 10, 15,000. We don't know how many people. A lot of people ate. And afterwards they gathered together the bread and the fish. And there was 12 baskets still full. And we don't know how it happened, but the people were blown away. 
And Jesus, it says that earlier when he went up on the mountain to teach, he knew what he was going to do. He knew the people were going to come and he knew he was going to do this uh, incredible miracle by feeding the people. And, and I really believe Jesus set up this whole day, this whole couple days with this feeding of the 5,000. He was saying people are hungry and people can relate to being hungry. And so he fed 5,000 people. And then, the, and then what he did was he he sent his apostles out on the boat. He goes, let's go over to Capernaum, get in the boat, go over to Capernaum and I'll meet you there. And they're like, well, you don't have a boat. Just go. Quit questioning me. Just go. So they go. And uh, Jesus decides in the middle of the night to walk out on water to meet him. In verse 18 of John chapter six, it says a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough when they had rowed three and or three and a half miles. They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. So here Jesus does this miracle where he walks on the water. You've heard the story. But what happened was, is the people that he had fed woke up and they were looking for him. They're like, this Jesus, man, he did a miracle. He fed us a lot of good food, barley loaves and fish. I'm going to hang out with Jesus some more. And Jesus gained some groupies. So these guys want to group with Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 24. It says, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum to search for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? They're like, we saw the boat leave with your disciples, and we know the disciples must have gotten in the boat, but we didn't see your boat leave. When did you get here? And they, they were interested. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So he doesn't answer their questions. He doesn't say I walked on water. He didn't want to impress them. He wanted to tell this story. Because he wanted to tell this story, he fed 5,000 the day before. He set up this whole thing. He got these guys to want to be groupies with him and follow him. So he got a huge following because he fed him. And now he wants to teach them some stuff. That might be hard to swallow, but that will lead them to eternal life. He answered, I tell you the truth. You saw you were looking at me, looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. Which the son of man will give you on him. God, the father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus evidently did this miracle so he could get some people to follow so he could teach this story, teach this uh, parable, teach this idea, this concept of John chapter six, that he's the bread of life. It's one of the most controversial um, chapters in the Bible. So many religions disagree on what it means to eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood. But today, my goal is that we understand it and that by understanding it, that we go home and we live it, that we have Jesus as our bread of life. In, In verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, we gave them bread from from heaven. And Jesus, they bring up this miracle of the manna, right? And Jesus just fed them the day before, 5,000 of them. What miracle will you give us? And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus is like, wait a minute, I just fed you yesterday. I'm, I'm talking about me and they're not getting it. You ever feel like that? Jesus is knocking you upside the head and you're just not getting it. Then Jesus declares, this is the declaration. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I, as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is more than enough. Verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. You know, Jesus is basically teaching the story that when you ate manna in the desert, it kept you alive physically, but it didn't save you eternally. And God gave that bread to the people in the desert. It wasn't Moses, it was God who gave the bread. And Jesus says, God gave me to the earth, and I am the bread that isn't going to only fill you up, it's going to give you eternal life. You're so concerned about the physical, we need to be concerned about the spiritual. You're concerned about filling your stomach, I'm concerned about you being content and full in your life, and having a life that goes on forever. Verse 47 through 51. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate man in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This Bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. He's talking about his self-sacrifice. He's trying to get these guys to understand, I love you guys. I want you saved. I know, I know you're hungry. I know you want food, and that's why you came. But now I'm going to teach you a real story. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. Verse 52. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's radical, isn't it? He's got a crowd, guys. He fed 5,000 and they're chasing him down. They're groupies. They want to know. They, they want some miracles. They want some food. They want some wealth. This guy can bless me. I'm following this guy. And now he's saying, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And just so you know, the Jews were not into cannibalism. In fact, drinking of blood was just, they, they abhorred the thought. Any kind of blood. Verse 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. What do you think Jesus wants for these guys? Eternal life. He wants them to be saved. 
And he, one thing he knows about humanity is we can consume ourselves with all kinds of things. He's saying, you know what, unless you're consumed with me, you're going to die. He loves us a ton. He came to earth to show us how much he loves us. But when he came to earth, there were some things he had to say to wake us up, to get us to think. In verse 60, this may be how you're feeling. On hearing it, many disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I just want to pause right there. No one said anything. Does this offend you? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a little offensive. What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So imagine the crowds scattering. Even some of his disciples. He turns to the twelve. You don't want to leave too, do you? I love it. You know what I mean? Like everyone's scattering. The twelve's kind of standing like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? This guy wants me to eat his flesh and drink his blood. This is radical. I don't understand it. What's going on? And he just points him out. He looks him square in the eye. Do you guys want to leave too? And he puts his glasses down. He didn't have glasses back then. Peter answered him, Lord. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Twelve stayed. They didn't understand what he was talking about at the time. But they knew one thing. They knew that he had the words of eternal life. Soon, Jesus would take the Last Supper with him and he'd break the bread. He'd say, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he says, this is the cup of my new covenant. Remember me when you drink it. My body, my blood. Take these. Be consumed by these. Take these weekly. Remember me. Be consumed by me. Eventually they figured it out. But at this point, he wasn't, he wasn't doing a lot of explaining. He was basically saying, guys, unless... You, You've got to realize if you really want eternal life, you have got to be consumed by me. If you really want to know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to follow. You're going to have to come check me out. Later on, he goes to the cross, and maybe they understood it better then. But, but you know, I, I love this passage. And when we were thinking about this month of True Grid, I was thinking, what a great passage. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. We don't talk about it that very much in the church. But I figured today, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what that means. So I have three observations from these scriptures, all right? We just read John chapter 6, or most of it. And probably some of us are a little confused. But I have three observations. The first observation is we are hungry people. Jesus knew that. He fed the 5,000, right? He, he knew they were hungry. He fed them, and then they started following, and he wanted them to relate this idea of, I'm hungry, can you feed me? In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, I believe our souls are hungry. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the, in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. 
You know, God makes the world beautiful. I appreciate Chuck and Carol talking about the sunset. And when you see a sunset, you just know there's a God. And then you feel this void in your soul that needs to be filled by something. And we try to fill it up with, with food. And we try to fill it up with, with money or relationships or success or pleasures or whatever it may be. And we, it, nothing seems to really make us feel content. And we wake up the next day and we go, Man, I, I thought today I would feel content because I did a lot of that yesterday. Can you relate? And I think about our world and we, the things we try to fill ourselves with. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it this morning. I don't know if you know James Dean, but he was a, he was a rock star in the 50s. There's Marilyn Monroe, who was super famous. Michael Jackson, who passed away in the last year. And I think about what's so similar about all these people. They had everything. They had everything. They filled themselves up with every pleasure, with drugs and alcohol and sex and houses and cars and boats and planes and trips and all the luxuries they could manage. You know, they ate ribeye whatever they wanted. They could have as much chocolate as they wanted. Whatever they wanted, they had. Michael Jackson, he made a, he made a doggone amusement park because he didn't want to travel to one. And we had, what's the same about all of them? They got to the point where I'm not full. All this stuff I've got, it didn't fill me up. And they took their own lives. Because they were so discouraged. And the things of the world, you know, we're hungry. We're trying to fill ourselves up. And yet they just don't fill us up. We see in the news every day. You know, there's Mel Gibson, who seems like he's got it all. He's in drunken stupors, getting arrested. We got Lindsay Lohan in and out of rehab. We got the guy from Two and a Half Men. What's his name? Charlie Sheen in and out of rehab. And these guys, they, 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 they got everything, you think. And yet they're just destroying their lives. You're thinking, you knucklehead, you got it all. What are you doing? And they, they're not full. They have all the money in the world and they're not full. And you're thinking, well, if I get more money or if I get more of this or that or whatever, and they're just empty. And Jesus is saying, don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. I'll give you so much you'll have more than enough. Don't waste your time trying to be filled by things that can't fill you. Point number two, I got this one from Mike last night. Mike Newman, we were talking about the lesson and I was talking about the things that we fill ourselves up with, and he just talked about how it was junk food. So I changed my point. Point number two is we consume too much junk food. We consume ourselves with unhealthy relationships, with vanity of looks. We're consumed with looking good, whether it be in exercise or in clothes or in makeup or hair or whatever. And I'm not saying it's wrong to look good or to be healthy, but some of us are just vain. We fill ourselves with ill-gotten success. Success isn't wrong, but so many times we shortcut to get success. And we shortcut God, and we shortcut righteousness, and we shortcut relationships. Pleasures of the world. We see the people around us enjoying the pleasures of the world. That's what's going to fill me up. I'm going to go after that. Impurity. We we have impure motives. We, We have impurity in our minds, sexual impurities. We fill ourselves with these things, and yet they don't fill us up. Wealth, riches, possessions. If I just have the newest, biggest, brightest, I'll be happy. You know, the thing about buying a brand new car is, is two days later, when, when, when you've already bought it, now you, you're thinking about the payment, you're wishing you didn't buy it. 
But for months you planned on buying it, how great it was going to be and shiny and the new car smell. And now when you smell the new car smell, all you smell is that car payment. <laughs> we fill ourselves with the worries and anxieties. Some of us are consumed with anxiety. We worry and we're anxious about everything. You know, every single one of these things that we eat that's junk food or we consume ourselves with, they all can become addictions. And many of us, as we look at this list, we're like, man, I've got a couple of these so much in my life that they're addictions. that they, They've really affected and really destroyed my life. All of these things that we fill ourselves up are lies of Satan. Satan will say, if you go after this unhealthy relationship, it's just a little bit of compromise. You'll be happy. And then you get it. and You're like, I'm not happy. Well, I need a shiny new this with this person and then I'll be happy. Then you're not happy. Well, I need to be impure with this shiny thing with this person and then I'll be happy. And it's a lie of Satan. And he's trying to get us to fill ourselves up with all this garbage, this junk food that's going to just make us bonk. In our lives, you ever bonked after eating junk food, ate too much chocolate, too much cinnamon rolls, too much whatever. And then all of a sudden you just feel or too much McDonald's. You mean all that sugar and starch and fat isn't really good for me? My third observation. Is we need the bread of life. That's what I get out of this passage out of Jesus In John chapter 6 and verse 35 and verse 36, he says, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay. How do I eat the flesh of the Son of Man? And how do I drink his blood? How do I come to him and how do I believe in him? That's what he's saying, right? Just boil it on down. How do I come to Jesus? How do I believe in Jesus? Because if I come to him, I'm never going hungry. I want that. If I believe in him, I'll never be thirsty. I want that. I want to be full. I want to be quenched. I want to be refreshed. I want to be satisfied. I want to be consumed and and at peace. Don't you? In my mind, in my heart, I can race after all these things that might make me happier or better or whatever. And, you know, a lot of times God just says you can't have that. I was doing P90X and playing tennis and having a blast, and I got tennis elbow. God said, you can't do that. Like, well, shoot. At least I can go kayak fishing, and then the, the kayak hurt my elbow, and I can't do that either. Well, shoot. What can I do? I got Jesus. And maybe I was going to get too consumed with tennis or too consumed with kayak fishing. I don't know. But I sure go online a lot and look at how to catch halibut, so probably... I haven't caught a halibut from my kayak or a thresher shark yet, but I want to. So I'm, I'm hoping my arm gets better. But I think God wants me to be consumed with him. You know, I, I heard a story about uh, a Navy ship out at sea on a foggy, cloudy day. The captain decided it was, he was supposed to go to sleep and, you know, let the first mate and the guys, you know, man the bridge. And but he decided this night it was so foggy and so scary that he was going to stay on the bridge. And so they're on the bridge and they see a light off in the distance. And the first mate says, Captain, we see a light up in the distance. And uh, Captain says, well, is it, is it moving to the stern or is it, is it remaining stationary? And 
the first mate says it's remaining stationary. And that means that then the captain says, well, that means that we're on we're on course for a head on collision here. And so he says, uh, you need to send them a, a, a Morse code or the light signal and say, you need to move 20 degrees to the right. You need to change your course 20 degrees to the right. And then they get the, the, the signal back and the signal says, no, you need to move 20 degrees to the right. And the captain says to the first mate, you tell them that I'm a captain and they need to move 20 degrees to the right. And the other guy, the other light comes back and says, well, I'm, I'm a first mate or something low in the ranks. You need to move 20 degrees to the right. And the captain says, I'm a captain on a battleship. You need to move 20 degrees to the right. And the, the light comes back and says, I'm a lighthouse. You need to move 20 degrees to the right. The captain decided to change his course. And I think that's how it is sometimes in our lives. We're going along a path and we're determined to do this path and be filled with what we're filled with and have the ambitions we want to have and be hoping for the things we want to hope for. And yet we know in our heart of hearts what we're hoping for and what our ambitions are and what we're living for and what we're what we're just um, attracted to is not healthy for us. And we're trying to fill ourselves with this stuff and we're not full. And we think if I just do it more, if I just achieve this next goal, I'll be full. If I consume myself with this, I'll be full. And you say, no, you won't. Don't work for food that spoils. Even if it's manna in the desert, which was fantastic bread, I'm sure. I'm going to taste it in heaven one day. But work for food that endures to eternal life. I have two suggestions from the scripture. The first suggestion is come to Jesus. That's what he says. Come to me and you'll never go hungry, right? Believe in me and you'll never be thirsty. We need to come to Jesus. And how do you do that? If I don't know much about Jesus, how can I come to him? Here's how you do it. You have coffee or lunch with the person that invited you to church. And ask him how they came to Jesus. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Let them share their testimony, how they did it. And then study the Bible together with them. Say, can we read the Bible together? Because sometimes the Bible, if you haven't read it a lot, it just seems like I don't know where to start. And the cool thing is the people in our church, we have a Bible study series to help people know where to start. We got this like the basics, the first principles of Christianity. Basically, here's some steps on how to follow Jesus and make him Lord. And if you go through the studies, there's like six of them. You'll gain faith in Jesus. You'll learn about Jesus and you'll learn how to follow him and how to have a successful life. So go through that study with him. And when you go home, read the Bible on your own. I've never gotten so much faith in praying. God, open my heart to your word and. Reading the Bible on my own and the, the pages just seem to be, the words are popping off the pages and my heart's being moved. You come to Jesus, he says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. You've got to come to him. You've got to say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be consumed by you. I want to follow you. You've got to talk to him, pray to him. The second thing is believe in Jesus. When you read, when you talk, when you pray, believe it. Believe in him. That's what this scripture is talking about. When you believe the word there in the Greek is tokos, it means you don't just believe, but you follow. You put it into practice. You, you're consumed by it. So, so you believe it and you follow it. Jesus says it's not enough to believe. You've got to put my words into practice. He says if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciple. You get consumed with Jesus. You let your heart fall in love with Jesus. 
You be consumed by Jesus. You understand that he loves you. He came to earth to show us how much he loved us. And then you surrender to Jesus. You make Jesus your Lord. When you get baptized, what you say is Jesus, Lord, and you're saying, I am dying to myself. When you go into the water, it's symbolic of going under the surface of the earth. And you're saying, I'm burying my old life. And when I come up out of the water or out from underneath the surface of the earth, I'm coming up a follower of Jesus. You surrender to Jesus. And for those of us that have made that commitment and we're, going, we're wrestling back with our old motives, our hopes, our ambitions, you need to talk to somebody close to you, a mentor in the faith, and say, you know what, my heart's going astray. I'm being hindered. I'm being worldly. I'm being torn. And you say, I need to get back consumed by Jesus. Because Jesus is real food. We are hungry people. We eat too much junk food. Those of us that aren't yet Christians and those of us that are, we eat too much junk food. We need the bread of life. Whether, you, whether you're not a Christian yet or whether you are, we need to be consumed by the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. He implores us. He asks us. He, he really calls us to come to him. Don't do it our way. Do it his way. And believe in him. Don't believe in our own ideas, but believe in his ideas. Because Jesus is more than Enough. Jesus has true grit. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us so much that you decided to come down to earth to show us your love. Thank you that you came down as the word of God to communicate your grace and your truth. Thank you that you came down as the way, the truth, and the life to show us which way to go, to show us the gate and how to enter. Thank you that you came down as the bread of life, sharing with us that we can be filled by you, that you can be more than enough. Thank you that we can be consumed by you and partake in you. And today as we take these emblems that represent your flesh and your blood, that as we take the bread, we will recommit ourselves or commit ourselves to following you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength. And as we take the cup that represents your blood, and as we drink it, I pray, God, that we will drink in the idea that we are forgiven of our sins through your blood. That we will celebrate the fact we're forgiven. That we will relish the fact that we're forgiven. That the next time we read Ephesians and we see those blessings in there, we can just absorb and meditate on the fact of how much you love us and how much you've done for us and that we are with you. I pray that as we take the Lord's Supper to get today, that if there's anything that's, that's hindering us, anything that we're going after other than you, that's blocking us from our relationship with you, that we will repent now. That we will give those things up. That we will put them behind us. We will make decisions to leave this place a different person. For those of us that are thinking about following you and becoming Christians, I pray that we will leave here today with the decision that we are going to follow you. Bless our time as we meditate on the Lord's Supper. Thank you so much for loving us so much. We need you. We need your love. Give us peace. Give us contentment. 
Thank you for filling us up and being more than enough. In Christ's name, amen.